HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The following program has been brought to you by Koshan 555. On January 23rd in New York, Koshan 555 kicks off its 10-city national culinary competition promoting heritage breed pigs and breed diversity. The tasting event will challenge five chefs, including Brad Farmery, Peter Hoffman, Bill Telepan, George Mendez, and Sean Rembold, to prepare a menu created from five heritage breed pigs nose to tail. Pig-loving Epicureans will have a chance to sample these dishes along with wines from five different small wineries, as well as the opportunity to help select the king or queen of pork. In addition, guests will be treated to whole pig breakdown demonstrations, followed by a whole roasted heritage breed pig and dessert. General admission tickets start at $125 per person and are available at www.koshan555.com. That's www.cochon555.com. Welcome to A Taste of the Past. I'm Linda Palaccio, your host here on Heritage Radio Network. And today, if you're listening live, I want to wish you all a happy new year. We are also celebrating today, many people are celebrating the Epiphany, being the 6th of January. And in association with New Year and and the Epiphany, there are so many different traditions and celebrations around the world, a lot of them, most of them, having to do with food. And in researching some of these, I was, I was curious to, as to hearing from friends of a couple of their family traditions, and so I started looking into it, and the foods that go with good luck in the beginning of the new year, and or celebrating um, the the winter solstice and the epiphany, the arrival of the king, King's Day. They many of the foods relate to round foods, and then the symbolism of the round foods, and round foods, of course, being um, eternal life and harmony. Um, and representing coins and money, I thought it would be fun to share some of these um, different traditions with you. And I have a special guest that will talk about some of her traditions as well, Hiroko Shimbo, and more on her in a moment. Um, but some of the things I don't know if many of you were aware, uh, green also not being round, but 
a lot of cultures eat greens, particularly in, in America and, and um, Europe, uh, European countries, eating um, cabbage, collards, kale, uh, because the greens resemble folded green money, and that is supposed to represent good wealth, wealth in the new year. Of course, we all know about fireworks and bonfires and clanging uh, pots and pans to scare away or burn out the evil spirits and drive away all the bad things that happened in the previous year, and then eating foods that will bring you luck for the new year. Uh, grapes, the grape tradition was something that I was not aware of, although many people of, of Spanish origin certainly are, and any of the Spanish col- Portuguese colonies. Uh, supposedly at the stroke of midnight, they would eat 12 grapes, and many people still do, one grape for each month. And if one of the grapes tastes sour, then that month is going to be maybe not such a great month. But it actually originated um, in Spain. Ooh, let me see. I've got some notes here. It originated in um, Spain around 19, in the turn of the century around 1909, when the grape growers in the Alicante region um, had a, I guess they had a bumper crop, and they, a way to cut down in the large production surplus that they had was to begin a, a tradition of giving everybody grapes to eat at New Year and, and making a celebration that way. I don't know how much it cut down on the on the grape surplus, but it certainly started a very interesting tradition. Oh, you know, I thought a wonderful tradition, and that has spread to uh, Portugal, Venezuela, Cuba, Mexico, Ecuador, Peru, Guatemala, Costa Rica, so many of these um, countries celebrate by eating 12 grapes at the stroke of midnight. Certainly we've all heard about the um, beans and lentils, black-eyed peas in the south, um, and any kinds of beans and lentils being number one round. So that represents good luck and wealth in the coming year. Wealth also because the bean and rice. And the beans and the rice swell up. And the swelling up is the growth of fortune. So may your fortune grow in the coming year. Um, and the round, round again for good health and long life. And in some of the, no- the uh, northern countries, the Netherlands and uh, Denmark, they eat um, dumplings or fritters, round, round dumplings and fritters, oil cakes. And, of course, being the 6th of January, we know about the king's cakes, the king's cakes, especially from uh, from France and other countries where they bake round cakes and always bury a ring or a bean or an almond or some trinket, and whoever finds that trinket will have uh, good luck for the rest of the year, becomes king for the day, and will have good luck for the rest of the year. And... I think these were all very interesting um, traditions that happened to bring good fortune in the new year. And foods. Pork. Pork is always associated with, uh, it, with the new year. Often they will, the pork will be eaten in the form of a sausage, round again, or cotechino or zamponi in Italy, which is stuffed into a pork's hoof and then sliced, and that's round. Um, fish. This was a fit the fish of course always being a, a popular dish for the new year and in Germany carp is very popular to eat for the new year celebration and something I didn't realize that a tradition often is to take a few scales from the fish and put them in your wallet and carry them around with you the the round scales obviously again re- representing money and wealth and and good luck um, some foods not to eat that 
there's a tradition that goes, do not eat lobster on the New Year. And so many of these elegant restaurants, you know, lobster, will, lobster and champagne will be on the menu. But lobsters walk backwards. And you don't want things from the previous year re-entering the new year. So you wouldn't want to eat a lobster. I thought that was interesting. And uh, any fowl with wings that fly, because your good luck might fly away. <laughs> In Germany, they also... Um, they. Uh, very interesting, not to do with food, but they have a custom of taking molten lead and pouring it into a, a cup of cold water to see what forms the um, the lead will take. And if it forms a ball, then good luck will roll into the new year. And that also goes, the round also goes with wearing clothes with polka dots or, or round circular designs on them. And uh, And in Japan, there is a custom of eating round rice cakes, and and more. So we have with us today a very talented woman. Her name is Hiroko Shimbo. She's a trained sushi, sushi chef. I'll say that three times fast. Sushi chef, a restaurant consultant, a cooking instructor, and a cookbook author. She is the author of The Japanese Kitchen, which was Food & Wine Magazine's Best of the Best winner, in 2001, an IACP Julia Child Cookbook Award nominee. Welcome, Hiroko. It is very nice to have you. Thank you very much, Linda. And well, now, tell me about the Japanese New Year's culture. There is a, something that I heard about. A friend of mine went to see a ceremony, Anne Mendelssohn, and then recommended I talk to you. She went to see a mochi-pounding ceremony on New Year's Day and was so impressed by it. She thought that it would make a wonderful topic. Tell me what is mochi pounding. Okay. Uh, so mochi pounding uh, New Year's Eve. Usually we do it on 28th of oh. the December. Uh-huh. Uh, because uh, there is a reason. Uh, so uh, the mochi pounding, mochi uh, Japanese, we uh, the rice is a staple. Right. And the rice is we, and also uh, the each uh, the reason why we do mochi pounding is each year we welcome a new god uh, which protects uh, throughout the uh, new year. So, in order to welcome new god, uh, we have to make an offering uh, at mochi the rice cake mm-hmm. to the New Year's god. So, to make this special offering mochi. Uh, which comes in uh, two tiers. Uh, one uh, large round is topped with a smaller round mochi. So like two balls, one on top so, of another that are flattened, right? Yes, okay. yeah. So uh, the rice, we soak the rice on the 27th. Uh, then uh, next morning, we steam and the rice is glutinous rice, sweet rice. Gluten, so, and is it, is it sweetened or it's just naturally sweet? Oh, naturally sweet, mm-hmm. uh, glutinous. So it's very gooey rice. And then sticky, sticky, very, very <laughs> sticky, much stickier than sushi rice. And then put this steamed rice in a huge wooden uh, mortar. And then uh, two guys do this uh, pounding. And one guy uh, is holding a very heavy mallet and then swing it uh, up and down from uh, much higher than uh, uh, his head and maybe 100 or more, more or 
over 100 times. And the other guy is uh, turning the mochi, pounded mochi, uh, after mortar, right? each pound. And they do this so... <laughs> yeah, and he adds a little water so because he can't turn uh, it. So that's his handle stick, Yes, right? yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And very rhythm, uh, rhythmical mm-hmm. and very quick. So when I was a small, watching these two guys, I was always a kind of shocked that the guy didn't hit the, the, other guy. the other guy's hand or just that they do so professionally well i what i did i we have a link that we will get up on the um the program page on our website so um listeners can go there and they can click on a, i think the youtube has some videos or yeah. they can just go on youtube on to youtube and search mochi pounding and you can see some incredible videos. Sometimes I've seen them with as many as three guys wielding these big, heavy mallets. You were right. It is frightening. I was certain that that guy was going to get his hand crushed. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so they pound this, yes. and, it's, and it's very ceremonial. Sometimes they have music and drums, right? Uh, yeah, yes. Uh, it is just a great, great fun. Yeah, and, and they the, chant. Sometimes there's a chant that, they, that I hear them screaming out something between every pound. What? Uh, a kind of, uh, yes, uh, just uh, encourage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just to, to keep this going yeah. on and so on. It's until almost like a like an African dance. It really is this very rhythm, as you said, rhythmical um, yeah. kind of activity that is it's mesmerizing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then after uh, the uh, this pounded cake becomes very tender and soft, and then this is ready to eat, or the uh, some part is eaten immediately. Uh, just mixed with uh, some sweet and azuki, just bean, mm, uh, bean, paste. bean paste. And the uh, other is just uh, dusted with uh, soybean, uh, sweetened soybean flour. Mm. Then uh, the, uh, the guys is making this special osonai, uh, the round ones, discs, uh, which is used for... Uh, to make an offering to the god. Mm-hmm. Then the remaining mochi be flattened out, then just uh, dried. Like in a sheet pan. In a sheet just, pan, yeah. yeah. And, and they dry out and then cut them into... And then into cut into squares uh-huh. for later, for New Year's consumption. Oh. Well, now, um, and also on the website, I have a picture of a, a mochi offering. So they take these cakes, and tell me what they do with these cakes. Okay, so... And this is every home, most every uh, home, right? Yes, every home has to have this because uh, this is the mochi. uh, Round again. Yes, round, (laughs) to which the god, the New Year's god, comes and reside, uh, reside, stays there. Will stay there. Okay, so So, it's on on like a little altar, a little offering, right? yeah, Yeah, yeah. So if you don't have mochi... Uh, you don't get the New Year's God. Ah. <laughs> no, no, no protection. And, and round, they're always they're decorated very, very elaborately sometimes, uh, right? Yes. Uh, the simple, uh, simple one is always have dai-dai or some citrus fruits. Dai-dai, bitter, or, bitter orange or uh, a, a, yes. a citrus? The, uh, that's the a kind of uh, family prosperity. Ah. Then has some paper hanging uh, down. That uh, shows a sign of this is a god territory. Mm-hmm. So you, you don't uh, get into, into uh, don't that touch territory. It. <laughs> yes. So, and sometimes kombu, uh, kelp, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, the translation is 
uh, uh, auspicious. Oh, auspicious. Oh, it it represents represents happy occasions. Mm -hmm. So that's the very uh, yeah simple uh, uh, offering. Uh-huh. And, then, and they're beautiful. I mean, and so you keep them. How long do you keep this this decorated mochi? Uh, yes, we cake? will keep it until January tenth. Then on January tenth, we no, we don't. It is uh, quite hard. Mm-hmm. So with a hammer, <laughs> we break it, then into pieces, uh-huh. then make some uh, uh, soup, oh. or even we deep fry to make crackers. And eating this mochi, which was offered to God, is by eating, we get the wisdom, energy, everything from the God. So that ensures our happy, healthy, good year. Interesting. And and the round, of course, is... is yes, round uh, is uh, harmony, peace, and uh, two different sizes are kind of yin and yang. It's balanced. Yin and yang, right. And the old year is the little one, and the new year is the big one. And uh, uh, sometimes, no. No? Uh, Just, no. <laughs> oh, I guess I read so, something different. Yeah. And <laughs> one is for prosperity, uh-huh. and the one is for family happiness. Uh, the, uh, or, or we say, uh, or the just happy couple. Oh, wonderful. Uh, yeah. That's for great. The family. Well, it seems that um, all cultures have some of these food traditions imbued in, in their um, New yeah. Year's celebrations, but the Japanese have a lot of spirituality imbued in, in many of their foods. And when we come back after a short break, we're going to talk about more of these with Hiroko Shimbo. We're back, and we're talking with Hiroko Shimbo about a lot of good luck foods for the new year. And um, I had previously said that lobster was a food, I guess this is in Western culture, that lobster was a food to avoid for New Year's because it walks backwards. But during the break, you, um, Hiroko, you were just telling me how lobster is a very auspicious food in Japan. <laughs> yes. Uh, obvious, uh, every auspicious occasions, weddings, uh, birthday, uh, dinners, because lobster bend their uh, back, uh, which symbolizes longevity. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> so each culture has different That's interpretation. Right. <laughs> well, um, I, I had mentioned that um, so much um, symbolism 
and spirituality is imbued in the food of Japan. And in your book, um, The Japanese Kitchen, I, this book is, I, it, I, all I can say, it's a must for anyone learning about Japanese food. From what I've read of it so far, it's just... Um, goes into you go into such wonderful detail about all the products. How long did it take you to write this book? Um, say <laughs> four years. Four years. I, yes, four years. But now you travel. Uh, I heard that you traveled around all around Japan and visited the artisanal food makers to learn all about the products and the way the food was, was e- produced. Yes, that's correct. And not just uh, I selected a very special. 100 years old, 200 years old uh, business operations, mm-hmm. not just a one-time visit. <laughs> I have visited them maybe 20, 30 times uh, just to get more and more information. And they were so generous that they just continuously fed me so many in- information, uh, not just the productions, but history, and family recipes. Now, in those different um, producers that you visited, are there a couple that stand out? Like what product that the Japanese use in their in their cuisine all the time that you learned about? Uh, the specific, uh, pro- uh, like perhaps sh- uh, uh, I don't know, like soy the production of, of soy sauce or, or, uh, uh, soy or sauce, uh, miso, miso, mm-hmm. rice vinegar, uh, and actually all of them. Uh, use rice. Uh, rice vinegar is made from rice. Uh, miso use rice. Uh, shoyu, uh, uh, no, shoyu, shoyu doesn't use so, no, no, so. soybeans and wheat. Yeah, uh, but, yeah. Uh, uh, and the other products like tofu, how to make tofu, mm. how to make slimy fermented soybeans, natto, how to make uh, nori. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, seaweed, uh, seaweed mm-hmm. for sushi. Um, hmm, it is hard. To <laughs> but that, and there's so many. But there's interesting. many. Yeah. Well, you and I were talking earlier um, before the show about uh, how a lot of um, the American culture is just really learning more of the intricacies of Japanese cuisine. Of course, sushi, we, you know, sushi craze came in and when the 80s or whatever, and, and that's all people think about now with Japanese food. And before that, it was shabu shabu and yakitori. <laughs> but there are, there's so much more to Japanese cuisine. And this book really highlights so many of the various dishes. And what we were talking about, how a lot of... So much is different, and the textures are different. Um, it's something that I think a lot of Westerners have to take time getting used to. Uh, yeah, yes, well, we uh, we enjoy dif- different textures, uh, uh, slimy, slippery, uh, what's the other, crunchy, gooey. We enjoy all of these textures. Mm-hmm. And maybe uh, this is true to other Asian culture uh, as well. And also... What makes Japanese uh, cooking a kind of scary (laughs) to um, most of the Americans uh, so far is Japanese cooking is so different from other, uh, even compared to other Asian cousins. I always explain uh, Japanese cooking is uh, uh, based on fire and water cooking. Uh, Lots of simmering, boiling uh, steaming, uh, blanching, uh, simmering, uh, that dominates the pr- uh, preparation. Mm-hmm. Uh, other cuisine, even 
other Asian, Asian Chinese, uh, Chinese, uh, Vietnamese, Thai, uh, Spanish, French, uh, all uh, you uh, based on oil and fire cooking. You have to start with oil just mm-hmm. to, to make us saute or to stir fry uh, anything. Yeah, to yes. cook the fish or meat. So it is uh, uh, the Japanese way brings more natural flavor of each ingredient in the prepared dishes. So some people say, uh, when I cook chicken, uh, just even with the uh, skin, uh, because I love to, <laughs> the skin, skin protects the uh, inside meat. Mm-hmm. At the same time, the skin uh, just uh, uh, gives a very nice, uh, sweet, uh, slightly sweet, oily text, uh, flavor to mm-hmm. the cooked chicken. Then uh, just the simple uh, shoyu and mirin kind of uh, teriyaki kind of uh, sauce. sauce uh-huh. And then they say, ooh, uh, this tastes too chicken. But <laughs> uh, the point of eating chicken, this fish, that fish, for us is to enjoy the each flavor of uh, the different the natural items. flavor of the that's food right. come yes. through, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> rather than masking it with some right. cheese or something. Yeah. Oh, uh, no sauces. <laughs> right. um, that's interesting. That, that it's it's fire and water, and then and as opposed to fire and oil. Yeah, I like that. I like that analogy a lot. Um, you started out. Um, you moved to to when did you move to New York in ninety nine ninety. Uh, Twelve years ago is 1998, yes. But when you, um, one of your first um, career moves in in teaching cooking, you were in Japan teaching um, Asian and and Japanese cuisine to foreigners in Japan, right? (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. So how, what was, what was your, how did you start? How did you introduce them to Japanese cuisine? How did you begin, let's say, the first lesson, what would it be? Uh, The first uh, lesson be, uh, just to to start, uh, how to make dashi, (laughs) the Japanese Uh very basic stock, or to make chicken stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to cook the same chicken, as we, yeah, which we yeah, would do in America right? for uh, one hour. Well, to make dashi takes only uh, new. Well, there, there are many <laughs> ways, yeah. so I cannot j- just a very short, uh, clean uh, process. Mm-hmm. A light, and, just a light fish broth. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and you are you've been on television. You've done a lot of cooking demonstrations on television. Now your second book of um, which did I, I didn't uh, mention the, that uh, sushi, sushi experience. The sushi experience in two thousand and six. Now you are a trained sushi chef. Is that unusual for a woman in Japan to be a trained sushi chef? Um, it is interesting. Now the uh, once the restaurant chef. Uh, what's the uh, occupation <laughs> is only uh, uh, what's the award uh, only uh, left to male mm-hmm. because everything was done in apprenticeship mm-hmm. and the restaurant they kept uh, young boys in uh, one room and then uh, just used it uh, for their restaurant uh, business they couldn't afford to get uh, girl, girls, otherwise they girls, have to right. put mm-hmm. them in the same uh, room. Uh-huh. Uh, that doesn't 
uh, can't walk. live in the same room no yeah. <laughs> and the boys are much are kind of yeah uh, physically uh, more stronger mm-hmm. so that tradition kept the women to get into uh, restaurant kept uh, business them out of the business however yeah. today uh, even in in Japan there are many cooking schools uh, for professional chefs and including uh, this kind of uh, sushi specialty schools so everyone can go, uh, can go and learn to be the next uh, generation chefs oh that's that's interesting but it but it wasn't always that way right? no yeah. Well, in the same, and actually in the home, though, the mother did most of the, all the cooking, right? So, uh, yeah, yes, that's right. true. So the women were kept at home cooking, right? Yes. Yeah, interesting. And much the way it was in France for many years. Too, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> um, but interesting that you chose to, um, now, did you did you ever work in a restaurant as a sushi chef, or did you just apply it to teaching and, and research? Oh, just uh, applied uh, to, uh, to, to to teaching. teaching. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's interesting, and I I think it's a, a wonderful um, opportunity for people to learn from somebody who has grown up in Japan and and trained there to really learn to cook the yeah. the food in the in the original way. And again, the book it um, you go into so many of the traditions, the tradition and the history behind each of the foods. I like that. I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And um, one thing that when we were talking about um, the New Year's celebration, something I came across and I meant to ask you about, and that is the eating of um, the eating of particular foods for New Year's. Well, besides oh, yes. the moshi, that, that's called the osechi ryori. Osechi ryori. Okay. Osechi ryori. And what what is that? That's just special foods, or yes, <laughs> very special food, and it takes two weeks or at least one week to, to prepare. Prepare. Oh my goodness! All uh, varieties, and usually put it in a, a kind of a square locker boxes, which is stacked up to uh, four. Then uh, e- each lockerware uh, container has a different. Uh, say one has uh, simmered or braised vegetables mm-hmm. and the other uh, grilled fish, uh, grilled lobster, uh, some grilled items. And then the another has sweet uh, chestnut, uh, sweetened chestnut, uh, sweet egg cake. Well, there, there are many, many varieties. Hmm, but there's all all separated in these lacquered boxes and yes. stacked upon one another. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And then uh, we we are very superstitious, and each item has a reason why they are in this box. See, I was calling it spiritual. You call it superstition. Uh, That's okay. fine. <laughs> spiritual. No, okay, I like religious. that. That's good. <laughs> and then, uh, one of the uh, example is candied baby sardine, which is called tazukuri. Tiny baby sardine, oh. uh, which is dried, uh-huh. and from uh, American point of view, why you are eating this kind of fishy stuff, uh, which is uh, toasted in the skillet mm-hmm. with, without any oil, mm-hmm. then uh, just coated with shoyu, mirin, sweet cooking wine, and sugar, and when you eat it, the fish just uh, crunches and very cracks. crunchy, mm. yeah, crunchy cracks. And the reason is, these baby sardines were used in the past 
as the fertilizer uh-huh. for the rice paddies. Ah. It was an expensive uh, fertilizer. Uh, so e- uh, eating this at the, uh, the beginning of the year uh, means uh, good harvest. But today it leads to a prosperous business for, to anyone. Right, good fortune, good, good luck. Fortune. Right, yeah. yeah, good luck. Oh, well, a sweet and, and salty snack it sounds good to me. <laughs> and if it brings me good luck, well, then all the better. I'm going to go and, out and eat some sweet sardines. Yeah, and the rich in <laughs> calcium. Yes, very good for you, too. <laughs> sounds good to me. I like it. Well, Hiroko, thank you so much for joining me today. And I would love to invite you back and talk. We're going to talk more about Japanese, the history of Japanese cuisine. And today we had a special topic, and I thank you for participating. And and I thank you for listening. You can see um, some of these pictures, the pictures of the Misho cake offering and uh, Micho, mochi. mochi. Let me get it right. <laughs> the mochi cake offering and as well as the mochi pounding video. Hopefully we'll have that up on our, on our webpage. And um, Hiroko, you can um, see where Hiroko will be um, demonstrating next and learn more about her at her website, hirokoskitchen.com. And I thank you for joining me. Again, I'm Linda Palaccio, and this has been A Taste of the Past. And thanks to Jack Ensley, our executive producer. <laughs> <laughs>